you wrong. Unforgettable. Though near. Oh, no. Um. All right. Let's kick this off. Welcome, everybody. We are rolling. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the. I don't know which number this is. Uh, let's tell it the. Four? Five? No, no, no. I think this might be seven. 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 Oh, yeah. Let's call this Boy. seven. The Lucky number seven. Lucky number seven podcast of Brad and Ned go to war. And you know who's the luckiest? The listener. Oh my god! Because they get to yes. tune into this. Action. Absolutely. You, yeah. you. This is our gift to you. <laughs> yeah, we're really selling it. Brad and Ned say you're welcome. Um. So, uh, seven episodes in, we're gonna we're gonna dive a little more uh, deeply into World War Two. I like it. It's my turn. Talk to me. Okay, I'm gonna talk to you. I'm gonna talk to you about the Philippines. I've heard of the Philippines. The Philippines. You may have heard of the Philippines. Have they been in the news lately? Yeah. Uh, now yeah. these days they're only ever in the news because of Duarte uh, and uh, his kind of bad stuff. His execution yeah. of, uh, of criminals. Yeah. And actually, I mean, one of the reasons that that, that attracted me to this this subject. So the subject is um, Philippine resistance to the Japanese during World War Two. So the Philippines occupied for the bulk of the war in the Pacific. For the for the American war. In the for Pacific. the American yeah. war in Pacific. You're yeah. exactly right, because it should draw the distinction between war against China. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, and the are, are we going to talk a bit about, on the front end, America's relationship with the Philippines? That's exactly what I wanted to talk about. Well, let's do yeah. it up. So, so, so the first thing I wanted to say is one of the reasons that, that drew me to this. Because, I mean... On this podcast, we're always looking for the angle, right? The the unusual little tidbit, something, the, uh, something that something that uh, a hook you would a hook, something yeah. that other people aren't doing. Yeah, and and I realize like the, the the Philippines are a big place, and they took up you know a huge amount of energy and time during the war. But I don't think it's something people talk, a, a place people think about much when they think about the war. No, and when they do think about it. They tend to think about specifically the American involvement in it, like yeah. the Bataan Death March. Yeah, is so, like it. so. There's these little snippets of because the MacArthur, the, I will return. Yeah, so you think of like waiting ashore. the Bataan Death March. Yeah, you know the Battle of Corregidor and I shall return, yeah. and then his return. Yeah, and maybe the big naval battle of Leyte Gulf. Yeah. And that's it. But there was a lot of fighting. There was a lot going on that because it's because a big land mass. It's a it's a huge it. land mass. It's like seven thousand islands. Um, it's about at this time about I think sixteen or eighteen million people. Wow! It's part of the United States, and that is, is what's so it's fascinating. Yes, it is part of the United wow. States. It's a commonwealth. Ooh. It is not one of the United States. Okay. It isn't like the 51st state, no. obviously, um, or the 48th state, if the, as it, or the 49th state, as it would have been at that time. But it is definitely part of the United States, in the same way that uh, an issue that's come up recently, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico is yeah. part of the oh, United yeah. States. So, so when... Should probably send a note to somebody, because yeah. he seems to have forgotten that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But, but that's actually a, a big issue that comes up... Uh, with regard to to the way the way the Americans viewed the Filipinos during the war, and the way the the uh, the Filipinos viewed the United States, and how they they had been treated by the United States okay. during the war, but but let's set the let's set the score, um, set the stage with so how did how did the Philippines become part of the United States? Well, they became part of the United States the way so many places, including Puerto Rico, became part of the United States, and that was the Spanish American War. Yeah. Of uh, of eighteen ninety eight, 
Um, Pretty profitable little war for the United States. It was so it was it was profitable in terms of gathering up, you know, a lot, well, a it lot made of the places. Caribbean an American lake, yeah. quote unquote. Yeah, uh, and yeah, snatched up a lot of properties uh, throughout the Pacific as well. And 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 they did it um, in a large part with the assistance of the uh, the local population. So so the, the God, we're, we're, this may become the the, the Spanish American War podcast. I was going to anyway, say, yeah. let's, let's, let's go there. But I mean, yeah. so there was a Filipino resistance there was a Fili- movement to Spain. Exactly, yeah. exactly, and, and a fairly successful one, and, and and a very successful one. So when when the Americans entered the war against Spain. A, a war that had already been ongoing, as far as the Filipinos were concerned, because they'd been resisting Spanish Spanish rule for quite some time. Quite some time. There was there was an assumption on the part of the of the the Filipinos that uh, the Americans were the liberators. They're going to come help us. Welcome as liberators. They're exactly. Help us, yeah. Yeah. You know, wrap this thing up with Spain. And 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 to be fair to the Americans, the Americans weren't exactly sure what they were going to do with the territories that they. Uh, yeah. That they acquired as as a result of probably the war. probably weren't going to hand it over to the Filipinos though well, straight away. So so there was a strong anti-imperialist sentiment within the United States, not necessarily within the United States government. Government when you've got yeah. someone like Teddy Roosevelt, uh, yeah, uh, running this, yeah, show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or or you know charging up yeah. San Juan yeah. Hill, he's a rough uh, rider. Yeah, yeah, he's he, he's not going to hand it over. But there actually was like a, a strong public sentiment um, amongst sort of the more the more anti-colonialism, you know, anti-colonial. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Rockefeller, Could be. or it might have been Pulitzer, who wanted to buy. Uh, so, so the Americans at the end of the war bought the Philippines from Spain for twenty million dollars. Right. Uh, and one of the sort of the robber barons proposed buying the Philippines from the United States. For twenty million dollars and giving it to the Filipinos, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so it wasn't unheard of. It may have been a little naive for the Filipinos to think they were going to be uh, liberated or, or you know, made sovereign by the yeah. Americans. But it wasn't entirely a ridiculous presumption. It may have been, you know, sort of pie in the sky. Anyway, it, it, that isn't what happened. So, actually, what happened was, uh, you know, sort of months after uh, the uh, the surrender of the, the Spanish, war broke out between the United States. And the, uh, Filipino. the Filipino army uh, at this point. So that's a pretty brutal war. It's a really brutal war. Uh, some things that uh, we have, well, not creeped in the news recently, but had been in the news. Waterboarding. Uh, waterboarding. Yeah, it was, a, yeah, was an was essential a, feature. Essential of, component of yeah. the uh, Filipino-American war. So yeah. so that, that war lasted um, until I think 1913. Uh, I was going to say 1912. But so, yeah, right. yeah. 1912 or 1913. It was 1913. probably a good solid 10 years. Yeah, and yeah. that's really just... And it was sort of... I think people look at it then, at that time. Uh, historically, I don't know. I don't know if it even resonates with most Americans today. You're probably telling people right in the United States, U.S. listening or something, that many of them probably don't even know. Uh, but at that time, that conflict would resonate something similar to what Vietnam looked like in the 1960s. Yeah, it was... It was, it was um, very unpopular It war. was very unpopular. And it was, and the media was actually definitely, you know, reporting on what was going on there. Oh, there were there were scandals attached to it, and yeah. scandals because of the way that the, the United States Army conducted itself. I mean, there yeah. was there were there were numerous massacres. There was there were sort of scorched earth policies. There was certainly yeah. waterboarding and other torture yeah. in order to because it was yeah. a guerrilla war. Pretty nasty, uh, you know what we Pretty would call now a, a counterinsurgency, counterinsurgency war. Yeah. war. Yeah. yeah, in fact, 
In fact, one of the um, when I was reading about it, one of the massacres, you know, there was there was an investigation and there was a prosecution of the uh, the commanding officer responsible for it. Right. But he wasn't charged with mass murder. He wasn't charged with anything like that. He was actually charged with. I shouldn't laugh at this, but this this may uh, may interest you. He was charged with conduct to the prejudice of good order and discipline. Oh, wow. Yeah, for, for massacring. Like for massacring people. Yeah. Eh, you sneak yeah. in what you can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so so this went on. It uh, it was it was, became a very unpopular war in the way that these wars tend to do. It was the second longest war that the United States was engaged involved with. The longest, obviously, being Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, and in fact, it didn't really end in 1913 because. It ended in 1913 with the sort of the pacification and and um, a settlement with the the northern two bulks of right. the the island bulks. If you think of if you think of Philippines, the northern chunk being Luzon, Luzon, Luzon. Thank you. Yeah. The other center Mindanao. Bit, no, Mindanao is the bottom. In the, in south, the middle yeah. is the highest. I'm right. sorry. I'm sorry to any Filipinos that think I. I, I'm not pronouncing it. And Mindanao being the South. Mindanao being a very distinct culture. Yes. Uh, predominantly Muslim, predominantly Moro people who have a very sort of, um, if not isolationist, but a very sort of strong sense of resisting outside encroachment on their culture. So it could be said straight through until the 1940s. There you know, when the Japanese there took over the Philippines. The Moros in Mindanao hadn't actually quite were still resisting the Americans, so right. it's like in the southern portion of the island, you know, one war bled into the other. So if we can, uh, so we can move. So 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 we can move. So, let's so parachute into say nineteen forty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 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 let's look at so tradition of resistance to the Americans. Well, a tradition of resistance first to the Spanish, then to the Americans. Into nineteen forty, it's actually quite a complicated relationship mm. between uh, between the United States and the Philippines. First, because the United States isn't that interested anymore in hanging on to the Philippines. No, and they're not never, profitable. No, and I think uh, a lot of the impetus, <laughs> as much as I said, let's move forward, let's move back. Yeah. Uh, part of the impetus was you know, have to look at what uh, these colonies were really useful for at that time. Yeah. And that was coaling stations. Yes. And you, you don't need 16 million people for a coaling station. Exactly. Well, yeah. and you don't even need now, uh, you know, fast forward 1940, you don't need coaling stations anymore. But, yeah, that true. And so you don't... these bases weren't even, like, in America through the 1930s was becoming, was very isolationist. Yeah. And there was this sort of sense of like, we don't really need this. Well, well that's the other thing. So, I mean, if you look at a place like Britain or, or specifically a place like Japan, you know, Britain had an empire and, and Japan was interested in acquiring an empire in order to to gain access to, to raw materials yeah. and then enclose the trade because everyone was shutting down on free trade and creating these protectionist systems, enclose the trade with those dependent colonies yeah. within your own protectionist system. America didn't need that, right? No. America, America was, was a, a free continent trader. country. Yeah. A continent side well it wasn't a free trader, but it didn't need it didn't need whatever Philippines had to offer. It already had it itself, right. right? Except for I think rubber was the one thing, but they could trade for that. Yeah. So there was really no, there was there was no um, there was no benefit to the U.S. for for possessing uh, the Philippines, and in fact that was one of the things. There was a there was a the um, they'd given it sort of this subordinate Commonwealth status, what what they called it. So it wasn't it wasn't a sovereign state, it wasn't a state a within state. the United States, but it wasn't you know precisely a colony. They called it a Commonwealth. The legal status of all of the United States. Is uh, uh you know, um, 
offshore possessions. Yeah. Has been has and been continues to be. It's complicated, complicated. And, and pretty murky. Um, but the U.S. had, so in 1940, the U.S. had pretty sizable troop contingents in the Philippines, but, but it was well aided by a Filipino army. Absolutely. So so there was the, the, the sort of the prize of the U.S. possessions, uh, sorry, the U.S. military forces in the Philippines was probably its air force. Sure. Located yeah. primarily at Clark Field. Um, and and the military, there were certainly land forces, but there was a there was a sizable uh, Filipino contingent within that. And okay. one of the reasons it was so large was because the Americans promised them uh, citizenship if they if they uh, served if in they the joined. Filipino yeah. army. Okay. You're right. Now, was it a Filipino army or was it the United States Army? It's the Philippines. It's like, complicated. It's yeah. the United States Army Force Far East, the ASA. Sorry, the USA FFE. Okay. I believe it had a a slightly separate status from the United States Army, sure. if only because General MacArthur, yes, son of Arthur MacArthur, who had, who had been who the fought uh, there and yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, who had been Douglas there Douglas MacArthur was made the head of the um, the, the the Filipino Commonwealth Army, yeah, and he gave himself the title of Field Marshal. Yes. And designed his own uniform. I know, which is great. It had a lot of gold around the head. Oh, I bet it did. Yeah, yeah. it had a lot of yeah. gold. Yeah. So, yeah, which is interesting. So, when you think of, like, 41, 42, you know, Corregidor, uh, I Shall Return, technically, I mean, he was in the United States Army, but he was actually, he was actually head of the he was actually Army. So, now, it was not a sovereign country, so he was not the head of a foreign army. No. But he was not part of... I would like say regular, the regular United States Army. United, it's yeah. almost like he was in charge of some big, huge National Guard. Yeah, you know, yeah, like I think that's probably it. National Guard. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I'm now yeah. I'm curious about exactly what the legal status, status of the Filipino but, military. But was and, and he chose that job because he had actually been called back. He had been sent over there in some sort of viceroy position. He had been called back to the United States, but because he had actually grown up in the Philippines, yeah, he lived there all and had, his life. if not a wife, a consort there yeah. uh, who was Filipino, Filipina. Um, he had a he had a very deep emotional yep. attachment to to the film. I gotta say, I came into this expecting to not like Douglas MacArthur just because you know almost leading us into World War Three, yeah, China, yeah, you know, crossing yeah. crossing certain rivers that yeah, maybe he should have. not have crossed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, not the Rubicon. No, no, but but, <laughs> but his own Rubicon. Yeah, yeah. No, he didn't cross the road, but going yeah, up, but going river. close. Yeah, to yeah. It, yeah. Um, he's a lunatic. Yeah, but he's. At least his relationship with the Philippines. He has a very intimate relationship it, with the Philippines, it, and he has a, he has a, he has an honorable relationship with the Philippines. Yeah. I'm sure he was a racist. Like I mean, I have yeah, no I'm doubt sure, yeah. that his attitude towards the Filipino was people like, was know, absolutely appalling. Yeah, it's like but at the least, great white hope. Yeah, yeah exactly. I am your great white hope. Yeah. But at least it wasn't this a cynical attitude, yeah. which is which is what you see displayed with so many of the uh, the, like the, the U.S. British, administrators yeah. who come to, or the or the British, the British and, yeah. and I think there were British yeah. colonial administrators also racist, but also you know having, yeah had a sense of duty in yeah. what they were doing yeah so so yeah I came out, came out with a more nuanced sense of uh, and a bit more affection oh, for for Mogar there just because of his his affection for him. anyway where the hell were we uh, 19, let's, let's go let's go. 
let's so we've kind of set so the let's stage. just say let's just say sorry this is the one thing I wanted to say sure so the United States is actually kind of fed up with the Philippines right they're not willing to cut them loose because there's enough of a sort of an imperialist sentiment and like a, hey you know what how would that look yeah don't show weakness in front of you know the, the Japanese the Japanese but they don't see any benefit in it. at the same time the uh, the Commonwealth of the Philippines is is led by by a man named uh, Quezon. Yes, who's a uh, who's, who's like a really slippery character, like <laughs> a classic politician. Um, who's like nominally or in public, he's a he's a he's a nationalist. He, he's okay. fighting for independence, but the Americans know that this is a bluff, and in fact, they call his bluff. And behind the scenes. They uh, they say yeah you know what we're going to give you independence but they know that the, the Philippines couldn't you know couldn't exist govern, independently yeah. they didn't yeah. have the structure they didn't have yeah. the the money they didn't have any of the you know the wherewithal you need to yeah. actually set up an independence and Quezon was a savvy enough guy to be like you know what uh, I'm going to you know yeah. continue making my my nationalist bluster on the outside but behind the scenes do everything uh, to, to keep to the keep the Americans out. Yeah. yeah so so it was a very complicated a very ambiguous. Uh, relationship with the United States. So all this comes to a head on, I guess, technically December eighth. It's is it December eighth or December? It was. It's December. It's got 8th. to do with the time zones and the, yeah, uh, the international. Yeah, December seventh would have been in uh, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. Right? Yeah. And December eighth, uh, the exact same time. Mm -hmm. So it's on the other side of the international. Date. And this is actually so a lot of what I'm I'm basing this on. So I read two books for for this. I read I read this very interesting book called How to Hide an Empire, which is all about the history of uh, the U.S. and its, its you know, yeah. offshore imperial possessions, yes. for, for lack of a better word. I mean, that probably is the, the best word for it. Fascinating book. Great. Highly recommend it. And the other one was a, was a book called The Philippines, the, uh, something like The Last Resistance of the Japanese in the Pacific. Okay. It was, it was, very, it was a very, you know, sincere book, and, it, and it, the point of this book was to try to bring attention to Jap the Filipino resistance because it's something yeah. that's been been overlooked. Yeah. Um. So where was I? Where was I? I don't know. I think we should hit uh, like the Japanese invasion. Mm, yes. Well, so, so, so the point. Mean, yeah, yeah. So so the, so the point. The, this book about how to hide an empire begins with Pearl Harbor, and it points out that at the exact same time that the the Japanese were striking the U.S. Navy in mm -hmm. Pearl Harbor. They were striking the U.S. Air Force at Clark, Field, Clark Field in the in Philippines. Philippines, but when President Roosevelt went on and gave his Day of Infamy speech about the Japanese attack, he barely mentioned the Philippines. That's interesting, despite the fact that both of those places were were U.S. America, territories. Was U.S. territory yeah. and U.S. servicemen and U.S. U.S. Yeah. servicemen, yeah, yeah. Were, were were killed That's in both places. But the reason they didn't do it, Roosevelt didn't. If, emphasize the philippines because yeah. in, in some ways like the the loss was larger in the philippines yeah like, much like the air force was absolutely decimated yeah. on clark field yeah um was because americans didn't recognize like like americans just, of yeah the they, they, it didn't yeah. feel american yeah. whereas hawaii had americans thought of a hawaii as part of america. yeah yeah i mean exotic part of america yeah the yeah. But part of america. The, the bit we yeah. you know there's there's fun songs about it, even in the 1930s. Yeah, know, everybody exactly. knew about about the lays and the yeah, ukuleles yeah. and the. It was yeah. a thing. Yeah, for Aloha. sure. Aloha. Yeah, but, so but the Japanese. About it. So the fighting in the Philippines initially, we'll call it initially, uh, between the Japanese and the combined American Filipino forces. Um, you're right. The initial strike, brilliant blitzkrieg action by the Japanese, 
destroy the American Air Force on Clark Field. Uh, not a lot of U.S. naval resources in the Pacific at this time. No. Uh, and, you know, to move directly to the, to the, to the topic of the, of the podcast, essentially the Philippines get occupied by Japan. Yeah, so, so MacArthur, the, the plan was for sort of defense in depth, to move away from, yeah. the, uh, move away from the shore, go into the interior, sort of fight a long war, wait for U.S. reinforcements. The, U- the reinforcements were not coming, in part because the, the Navy had taken such a hit yeah, at Pearl, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. Yeah. The other thing was MacArthur, again, because of his, his you know, sort of visceral emotional attachment to the Philippines, was like, no, we're going to fight them on the beaches. Not a good idea. Yeah. Too small a force. The Philippine contingents were, were not adequately armed. Yeah. It had been a big thing, and, and MacArthur had made, made you know, Genuine efforts to provide adequate um, adequate uh, supplies for the yeah, Filipino for the army, troops, yeah. but I mean the best they could do was buy some some leftover World War One uh, rifles yeah, from from the yeah. U.S. Army. So that's actually an interesting point. Sorry, just leaping around here about the difference between the Filipino the the army in the Philippines versus the American army. The army in the Philippines had to buy. American army castoffs for, yeah. for their, for their own army, yeah, for their which own is arguably yeah. the United States army. Well, exactly, it, yeah. it's certainly an army of, of the, United the United States, States. if not the yeah. United States yeah. army. But they're paying for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, Charming. and 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 they're, they're they're just not adequately. Yeah. They're not up to the task. So so, basically, what happens is the the they fall back. The government uh, finds shelter on a small island in Manila Bay called Corregidor. Yeah. Corregidor. Corregidor, thank yeah. you. And the army sort of takes a defensive position on the, uh, the peninsula south of, uh, uh south of, um, I want to say Milan. Jesus. <laughs> Manila. So Manila, thank you. Yeah. Called Bataan. Bataan. Yeah. yeah. Now Bataan is very famous, uh, for the Bataan death march. Yeah. But there uh, was a lot of fighting there. There was, a, there was a lot of fighting. Yeah, they, they, they defended it. The important thing to bear in mind is it's sort of like a six-to-one ratio, Filipinos to Americans in yeah. this force. But you always think of the Americans, Americans. in like, the Bataan Death March. Yeah, I think of the Bataan... When I think of the Bataan Death March, yeah. I think of it as an American tragedy. Yeah. When you actually... And I don't I don't like going here. I don't like to do no, sort of no, like no, a calculus no, no. and, yeah. you know, a comparisons you, of tragedy. you do not think of the six-to-one Filipino troops... Yeah. On that death, yeah. or prisoners of war on that death. Point. Exactly, that's true. Exactly, yeah. It's and true. it's a uh, yeah. It's very much seen as an American tragedy. You're right, not less a Filipino one. Over the course of the, the 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 war, like Filipino casualties are astounding. And and yeah. when you think, and it's so interesting because it's how to hide hide an empire book. This is the point it keeps. It relates sort of facts you already knew about World War Two or yeah, world yeah, history, yeah. and that. These were Americans, you yeah. know, and and you don't think about it. You yeah. don't think of them as Americans, but but legally, yeah, they, they, legally they, they were. were yeah. So the island's occupied. The island's Does the occupied. resistance movement, so the resistance movement, is it, when we think of resistance movements in, so what is the impetus for the resistance movement, and is it split? So is it split between it's, the sort of traditional independence of the South and it's, the sort of pro-Americans yeah, of the it's North? It's split in every way you can imagine, right. does it? First of all, 
it isn't unanimous that uh, that the the the, um, the Filipinos are opposed to the Japanese occupation. I was going to say, there's probably some because, Filipinos who probably thought, good, and some, we got rid of the Americans. And some, and some very prominent ones. So the guy who led the, the initial resistance to the Americans, uh, Aguinaldo, Emilio Aguinaldo, came out initially on side of the of the Japanese. Japanese. He said, I, I don't think he was necessarily a collaborator because I don't think he held a position under the, the, the collaborationist yeah. Second Republic government. But his initial reaction was, yes, these guys are coming here to, to liberate Asia on, on behalf of the Asians. Great, pro, great greater Asian pro, prosperity, pro, prosperity sphere. sphere. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, yeah. Certain religious leaders came out uh, on yeah. side of the... In fact, the, the Japanese had like within their their um, propaganda department actually had a religious section that employed like Japanese Catholic priests oh, yeah. in order to uh, yeah yeah um, and there was and there was obviously just some sort of local people who were like yeah were willing to to go along with whoever was in charge and sure, whoever, yeah. whoever yeah. held held the cards yeah we'll just we're gonna trade one colonial power for another yeah one. and yeah. I no, no, and I get that yeah like I like yeah. if you have no control over what's going on uh, it it you know, resistance movements in France, in the Netherlands, in Norway, they make yeah. sense to me. Yeah. A resistance movement in the Philippines. They have is no reason to be loyal to. To anybody. No. You know, no. and so, you know, all you're doing by fighting the Japanese is just, you know, making your life more yeah. difficult for yourself. Another, another interesting thing is when the war first broke out and it became clear that, uh, that the Japanese were coming. In the Philippines, as they did in at least the west coast of the United States, they interned or began the process of interning Japanese uh, the Japanese or yeah. Japanese residents yeah. in um, in the Philippines. This was accompanied with with you know violence, obviously, and some yeah. and some killings. As soon as the Japanese came, it was sort of like switched immediately around, and and the people who had, had formerly been in the in the internment camps were now the yeah, the ones charge. you know yeah in yeah. charge and held a. Uh, privileged position within society. So, so the Philippine resistance movements that were that were starting up at this time, earlier on, anyways. Yeah. The ones in the south, I get, I understand them. Did the Americans sort of try and spark? Uh, yes. The movements in the north. Yeah. So, so let's let's talk about that. Let's actually get to the subject of this. Yeah. So, you, you can you can chop them up into different ways. So, one of the big ways is to to divide them is. Those that were actually affiliated with the either the American government or the the Commonwealth Army, the Commonwealth of Philippines yeah. Army. Um, so the Americans did do that. Sure. So so they 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 went out into the highlands and, and yep. set up resistance groups. So sort of in the OSS, the it, forerunner I, of the CIA. I, I I don't know if it was specifically the OSS because again I think it was under the umbrella of the this uh, USAFFE. Okay. The, the United States Army Force Far East. Yeah. So, it's it's got an interesting um, an interesting separation from the the main body of the the, the American Army. In part because it was isolated. Right. Yeah, it was sure. a, it was unoccupied sure. territory. Now, certainly some of the people involved with this went on to become you know forerunners of American Special Forces operations. Sure. So there was one group up in the Highlands called. Uh, Blackburn's Headhunters, probably okay. a name that hasn't a aged well, <laughs> yeah. but it was it was led by a guy named uh, Donald uh, Donald Blackburn. I don't know what rank he was at the time, but he went on to become a, a brigadier general. So was he? The, would he have been left over after the surrender, or was he inserted? In I believe after? he was left over. He was yeah. left over. I think over? I think oh. I think a lot of these people went were, into were hiding, left over. Didn't, yeah, didn't get captured by the Japanese yeah. and went into hiding. Okay. Yeah. So 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 there was those factions. 
where the uh, the Americans uh, had had organized them themselves, and and they they would have been staffed predominantly by by local Filipino, either either in sort of the more um, uh, metropolitan areas around Manila or the the more rural areas up above. But then there there would have been significant other 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 groups. So another group, an interesting one, is the uh, the ROTC Rangers. Oh yeah. Which were made up of cadets from the um, from the, the the Philippine military academy. Okay. It's very it's very um, Wolverines here. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That seems who, like it. yeah. So so this would have been very young people. Yeah. You know, cadets who who went on to form their own their own guerrilla groups. Um, wow. Yeah, which is which is amazing because they were engaged in like serious action, and these would have been very young people. So a lot of these uh, resistance movements. Philippines, they probably look, so I mean the Philippines again, like obviously has some huge cities in it, uh, but has a lot of empty jungle space. Yes. So pretty ripe pickings to run an insurgency. Uh, They seem to have done exceptionally well. Now, by exceptionally well, I mean exceptionally well for an insurgency, because insurgencies don't do well generally, like on on sheer numbers, numbers, you, you are going to lose a lot more people then your your opponent is going to lose. But running they a, probably would have tied down a significant number of British of uh, Japanese Japanese forces. And in fact, in some places, they actually had like better numbers than their opponents. Insofar <laughs> as like they were killing more Japanese than, than the were Japanese losing. were killing. Now that was predominantly in the south. We'll get to the south in a second. Yeah. Just going through some of the other big groups. Um, there was an interesting group called the Marking Gorillas. The Marking I think it's called them the Marking Gorillas. It was it was led by a husband and wife team, <laughs> and this is one of the the, the, the and wife. yeah yeah this this <laughs> it's could be a fascinating because because yeah. the um the husband was a colonel in the in the Philippines army okay. the wife was a Philippine American journalist who wow. uh, yeah they, they they both took the rank colonel but but that was a more experienced group so the ROTC I'm gonna call them Rangers I can't remember yeah. exactly what it was were were very young this is one of the interesting things sorry. I mean, Again, a bit of a tangent. Um, the youngness, the youth of the of everybody involved in Philippines politics. It seems all through the first half really? of the twentieth. So, the army that initially stood off against the Americans back in like nineteen o two, yeah, was re- was led by a twenty nine year old. Wow! They had like two generals who were literally twenty one. The oldest senior officer was. 32. Jeez. They didn't do very well in, no. in, in like in set piece battles. But they, they but, but uh, of, uh, they, they went on. There, no they went on. They developed, all, yeah, they developed, you know, smarts. They developed skills that, that, uh, that played out. Here. So were these, <clears throat> so we have the ROTC Rangers who would have been part of the, the Philippine American military. It would have, it would have been under the umbrella. They were yeah. separate from, but they were, they were recognized by. So were a lot of these, Resistance groups and essentially a lot of them Philippine soldiers who weren't captured by the Japanese that sort of blended off into yeah. the blows. Yeah. So, so was there? A, so there probably was less sort of organic. You know, uh, this village is going to rise. No. Up. So so there was that that wasn't under those forms. So probably the biggest organization and possibly the biggest of the the resistance organization was the Hawks. It's yeah. a larger word. I don't have my phone with me, so I can't yeah. look it up. But the Hawks had their known, and they were basically the communists. Okay, and those were generally the farmers. They right. were they were structured more like 
a revolutionary group. So they would have an elected council that right. was the the sort of the supreme leadership body. Yeah. yeah, and then and it was it was made up predominantly of farmers. Did they exist during the American occupation? They did not. They okay. came. They came in. So their actual name is translates to the People's Army against the Japanese, Japanese or something okay. like that. So so they came into existence specifically to fight the Japanese. Wow. I would like to know more about them because I don't know if they grew out of a, a an already existing communist sort of ideology ferment that sure. was going on. There probably was something. Probably. But yeah. it, it was it was predominantly a rural group, which okay. is unusual for for most Marxist organizations which usually take their their you know germinate the, in the cities yeah, and the universities the unions, and then travel out unions, into the yeah. into the countryside to yeah, to raise raise the masses. So those are the big groups. The in the north, in the south, it was the Moros again. Yes. It was the same people who were still fighting. Yeah, never stopped yeah, fighting. Yeah, the Americans. and and these were not or, or ideologically motivated organizations. These were just your standard, you know, this is my land. This yeah. is my way of life. I don't very just. It's not ideologically. Gonna, yeah, no, no. It's yeah. it's quite isolationist. Yeah. You know, they yeah. did not. They they perceived. Realistically, the threat from the Spanish, the threat from the Americans, the, the threat, threat from, from the yeah, Japanese, yeah. all is the same. Yeah. Threat. I mean, these were all foreigners. You know, yeah, they yeah. were foreigners. Foreign they were not Muslim, yeah. uh, and they were, you know, I mean, the Moros' way of life included, you know, slavery. So sure. there was, they, they were, they were resistant to any <laughs> pretty, changes. Pretty to old them. school. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a very old yeah. school. Yeah. But but they were probably the most fearsome fighters, and, right. and their primary weapon was the bolo, which is just basically a big machete. So, yeah, in fact, there was a group called the Moro Bolo Brigade. I'm assuming the Americans named it that. So the Americans probably never had an opportunity to leverage them at that point. No. Because they probably did a lot of leveraging and organizing. Of the they they, they did. The uh, and and I, uh, the Americans went down, and they had people down there working with them. Right. I think, I think it would be a stretch to say that the Americans were directing their operations. Sure. Yeah. I think the Americans were, at best, liaison. Right. You know, because yeah. because these people did not have, I would say, did not have a sense of liberating the Philippines. They right. had a sense of liberating whatever patch of territory they, they considered own. theirs. Yeah. yeah. So so the, these movements. So as we move forward to to nineteen forty, uh, when was the landing in the Philippines? 44? October forty four. Yeah. October forty four. So late in forty four. Are these resistance movements? Are they coordinating with the eventual American? Yes, some forces. some better than others. Okay. Obviously, the ones that fall specifically under the uh, the sort of the direction of yeah. the USA FFE, uh, and the ones that that are sort of non ideological or ideologically aligned with them. So, like the the ROTC guys yeah. and and the marking guys, they definitely work with them. The Hucks are a little harder to work with because yeah. um, they're. They have their own. They yeah. have their own ideology, but they yeah. still work together. And they were involved. So, so the Americans return. Uh, MacArthur yeah. wades ashore several times. Oh, did he? Uh, yeah. So it was actually filmed about five different times on five different locations. I love this lunatic. He's very, uh, very much a blatant self promoter. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. So he did return. You're right. Yeah, or I have returned. I think is what he said to the Filipino. Because he said, I will return. And actually, this is an yeah. interesting uh, tidbit. 
Um, because there were there were there were quite a large number of Filipino collaborators or those you know with sympathy to the Japanese and willing to sure. to you know work with the Japanese, there was always a risk, as there is in any um, insurgency organization, of infiltration and betrayal. Right. So one of the things that they used to prove that they were not you know with the Japanese, they were they were you know on the side of the Americans or on the side of resisting the mm -hmm. Japanese, was they would have certain. Um, MacArthur branded objects like <laughs> like uh, like playing cards or oh. cigarette packs that had "I will return" written on written them, on and them. this was sort of like your bona fides as if, a if as a resistor. If you had this, it's yeah. like you wouldn't be in league with the Japanese. Yeah. So so that was actually passed around, and that was how they uh, they could identify each other. So we have so I mean what I found interesting about the I was recently watching rewatching. The Ken Burns documentary, The War. Oh, okay. It's about the Second World War. And there is a, uh, a portion of that documentary centered around a young girl, young American girl living in Manila in a civilian prison camp mm. in, in Manila. <clears throat> and uh, it's liberated fairly early on in, in after the American forces get to Manila. But there's a lot of fighting in Manila. Like Manila okay, was so, almost so, destroyed. Oh, we'll, we'll get to Manila in a second. Yeah. Let's, let's start with the, the prison camps for a second. Yeah. Because this is really, the coordinated operations are where the the, um, the resistance did its most to help out. So the, there was a the lot American. of U.S. prisoner of wars. There, there were prisoner a lot of prisoners, prisoners of war. Yeah. And it happened a couple of times at the beginning of the um, the, the, the Reconquista, the, mm. the, the return of the Americans, that the Japanese, because I don't know, because this is just how they behave, yeah. They executed the prisoners, yeah. oh, and they didn't just execute them; they burnt them alive. Ugh. Yeah. So, <laughs> what do you do? So the yeah, <laughs> and and the thing is, like, I mean, leaping back to the beginning of this podcast, the Japanese come ashore with this ostensible policy of you know Asia for the yeah, Asians, Asians, and, and then immediately start worse, bayoneting people worse and than the occupiers. I, yeah, it was worse. You'd be you'd be happy to have the British and the Americans back. Anyway, so. So there was a very, very real concern on the part of the Americans that they we, needed to liberate those prison camps. We won't camps get to those prison camps very time. quickly, yeah, because because if if the Japanese have the opportunity, they'll execute the prisoners. And so they conducted a couple of uh, of really very impressive raids. One at Los Banos, one at a place beginning with C, and it's called the Great Raid, and I've forgotten the name of it. Oh, uh, there was a movie made. Yes, there was a movie yeah, raid starring um, Benjamin Bratt, very handsome. Oh really? Yeah, is it Were there any actual Filipinos speaking in that role? Uh, probably not. No, because no. that's I think Benjamin Brad plays like American. Well, he is a, uh, a Latin American yeah. uh, actor, and I think he plays like an American officer. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so so yeah, so the the I don't know if it was the no, it was the Alamo Alamo Scouts and a, and a few yes. other um, yeah, they, which was a Filipino unit, wasn't it? Uh, no, that was I think that might have been an American, was one, but they used unit? yeah, they used. Okay. They use they use the um, the the guerrilla groups the Japanese, uh, Japanese the Filipino resistance groups and these in these raids where they come in with quite small numbers sure and and liberate uh, these prison camps the prison camps wow. taking very few casualties inflicting very many casualties and in most cases I think like no casualties to the prisoners so that Amazing. was really where the 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 Filipino resistance uh, shown the best as the fighting continues throughout the Philippines in forty four forty five. Um, and to eventually, you know, the end of the war, the general, the defeat of the, of the Japanese in the Philippines. Are the resistance groups fighting alongside the Americans? 
or did they recreate the Philippine army again? So the Philippine army never technically disappeared. True. Yeah, true, it was. Yes. It always continued to be. Um, I don't know whether they these groups were absorbed into it. I imagine like certainly the by the French end of the forces war, of yeah. the interior. Like, yeah, you know, imagine by the end of it, certain ones of them were. One group that obviously wasn't absorbed into it was the Hucks. Of course, because the, the Hucks. <laughs> get to the the Hucks after the war. Yeah. Continued on. Um, they were labeled, you know terrorists and, yes, and, and denied benefits that yeah. went to other uh, to other resistance fighters um, and, and continued on a, a policy of resistance and, and eventually were disbanded I think in the mid 50s okay. so so the other guys were, were absorbed into the army it's been a huge issue right up until you know a few years ago and I think it's probably still going on in terms of getting recognition and recompense for sure. the people who were involved with this. Because, you know, there were no, first of all, pensions were only given out. The U.S. only acknowledged the resistance of the groups that were actually sort of under the umbrella of the USAFFE. Yeah. Um, so the Hucks didn't get any money. Right. Uh, you know, large groups of the sort of the upland tribal groups didn't get any money. Hmm. Um, so this has been a huge thing. And the United States didn't even recognize these people as having, you know, played a crucial role until actually under Obama. And I, I want to say it was like 2015, but I'm not really sure. But there was a U.S. It, there was a congressional. What was it called? The U.S. Filipino Resistance Act, Recognition Act or yeah. something like that, where um where, you know, people who were involved, Filipinos and Filipinas yeah. who were involved re actually received a Congressional Medal of Honor oh, for their for their participation. So oh, that was, good. that's, that's good. nice. Yeah, that is nice. Touching on the, the Battle of Manila. Yes. Absolutely devastating. Destroyed. Like, uh, three quarters of the city. So apparently uh, Manila, I've never been to Manila, and maybe no. it's a lovely city to this day, I don't know. But apparently uh, prior to the Battle of Manila, the 1945 Battle of Manila, it was one of the most beautiful cities in the in the Pacific, so the United States had had done a lot to redesign Manila okay. under under during the time that it was ruling there. In fact, it was designed by the same architect who designed the White City during the Chicago Exposition. Okay, yeah, it was like yeah. the, the the big deal. I can't remember his name. The big deal of architects. So really, it's a huge you know monumental yeah. buildings and wide boulevards. They brought him in, and you know like. Have at her, go go to yeah. her because hey, we're, we're colonial rulers, <laughs> we're you know. You can do, you can, what we yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, apparently it was a, it was it was a city. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, three quarters of it was the stories. I'm not going to get into the stories. Oh, like, there was horrible, fighting. just like, yeah. like because people were forced out of their homes to get away from the shelling, but once they were on the, the streets, the Japanese had you know yeah, every corner with them. machine guns. So, and, and the and, and the Americans again were, were you know fairly uh loose with their use of artillery yeah. in um, yeah yeah as were pretty much everybody during yeah. the second world war but, yeah. i mean again the point the point i'm good i'm, I'm leaning on this yeah the, leaning back on this this was an american city yes yeah yeah. yeah 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 no american would see it as such though no yeah. no no no, no. I, I, I think it's true interesting but anyway that's uh yeah. that's pretty much everything i have to say I like on that it. subject yeah it's uh, i would just i gotta say like america's I'm first resistance movement we yeah. can say the only American yeah, the real, the real Wolverines. The Ooh, real that's what Wolverines. I'm calling this one. That would call it. The real yeah, Wolverines. yeah, yeah. Uh, and just sense. a country, a country generally that doesn't get the props I think it it yeah. deserves. Regional powerhouse, I'd say. Yeah, um, and yeah. Uh, and certainly, I mean, like there was a whole spate of movies in the in the 40s through the 50s about 
the Philippines yeah. and the American involvement in the and Philippines. It's always very American. And there's no Filipinos in it. Mm, yeah. yeah. It's just one of those things. Anyway, good stuff. that's good fine. Good shot, man. I like it. Good night, everybody. Good night.